You're listening to the Unpacking It Live podcast, presented by MetaShare. Each week, Bryce, Luke, and Henry unpack sports, faith, and life with the goal of challenging, encouraging, and inspiring you to follow Jesus and become more like Him. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here's your host, Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MetaShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. We will unpack sports, faith, and life with you and the Unpacking It community of sports fans. So glad to be here. We missed you last Monday. Hope you had a great Memorial Day. But we have a lot to discuss and unpack today as we go heavy in on the NBA Finals. Last night's game, you know, it was a little bit of a blowout there at the uh, in the third quarter, thanks to the Golden State Warriors. But overall, through two games, we've got a competitive series. Very entertaining. Lots of storylines. Interesting players. Great performances. Tatum struggles game one, plays well game two. The rest of the Celtics were great in game one. <laughs> Hello, anyone home? Game two, uh, three different starters for the Celtics scored two points. How does that even happen? I feel like if I at least was on the floor for 30 minutes, I'd eat. So, uh, so tough night for the Celtics. But uh, I do want to unpack the idea that both of these teams have great defenses. And, and so we'll do that during our Unpack This segment. During I'm Convinced, we'll talk about Draymond Green. And then during Tap Drill Today with Henry Bieneme, who's here with us, talk about a bunch of different topics, John Madden, video games, uh, the match, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and the quarterbacks. And, and so we'll have some fun with that. Uh, in a little bit, Luke is going to share kind of one of his pet peeves. And I think you're going to be intrigued by it. And I may even disagree with him. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. When he was telling me a little bit about it earlier, my initial thought was, eh, I think I go the other way on that. But we're going to give him, give him an opportunity to get that off his chest. And so we'll do that in just a little bit as well. Thanks to everybody that is watching Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, we appreciate it when you share, when you comment. Uh, let us know, you know what you're convinced of on this Monday. And, and for those of you that have been watching the NBA Finals, what have you thought of the, the finals so far? And I know that I have friends that don't like the NBA and they turn it on and they're looking for reasons to not keep watching or, or not like the NBA. And if that's you, I would also like your opinions. And maybe throughout the show, I may even kind of combat some of the criticism that the NBA gets a lot of, but we are going to talk about the kind of the Draymond green situation that also speaks to some of the issues that, that people have with the NBA. So uh, we'll, we'll touch on that in just a moment. Uh, one announcement uh, before we get going too. during father's day weekend, we are excited to partner with the fatherhood festival. And so I'm going to be in Canton, Ohio at the pro football hall of fame. Uh, and it's, it's going to be an incredible weekend starting Friday night all the way through Sunday and for those of you that, that may be in the Ohio area that can get to this event, would encourage you to check out fatherhoodfestival.com. 
Com. And for those of you that, that can't make the trip, we'll be doing a, a simulcast that actually I'll be hosting. And so I'm, I'm excited to be a part of this event. And it's at the Hall of Fame Village. And so they've got a stadium and, and it's just a, it's a weekend for the whole family. And, and so there's a, a concert with Jordan Davis. And then a bunch of NFL players are going to be a part of this as well. Anthony Munoz, Mike Singletary, some other, uh, the McCaffrey family. Um, so a lot, a lot of people are, are a part of it, and, and we're thrilled uh, here at Unpacking It to also with the Fatherhood Festival. And so you can go to fatherhoodfestival.com. We just had Justin Bat on our podcast last week, who's the, the founder of this. And so he talks more about it, and you can get all the details there. Uh, but pretty cool, pretty, pretty cool uh, event for the whole weekend for the whole family. So I also, uh, before we, we dive in even further, I do want to thank our presenting sponsor, MetaShare, they continue to stick with us, and we love our partnership. So if you're looking for an affordable, reliable healthcare option that you can trust, check out MetaShare today. Go to MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. MetaShare offers programs for every budget. So if you're an individual, parent, small business owner, ministry leader, or you're self-employed, MetaShare has options for you. And the best part, their members on average save 50% or more on their healthcare costs. And so that's metashare.com slash unpacking it. All right, good to see you, buddy. Glad you're here with us. I know your, uh, your wife, Madeline, had a big, uh, big weekend and you were full-on uh, supportive mode. Uh, oh, but yeah. Today, we get you on air. You get to shine today. So, so <laughs> we're here uh, together and... Uh, your wife, she had, she had a big uh, third-place performance in the triathlon. Is oh, yeah, right? her first triathlon. Very proud. I'm a nice. very proud husband. Watching my wife compete, I was like, mm. wow, this is incredible. I will gladly play a role of supporter while she plays a role of competitor. So her first triathlon, she uh, is a, was a runner in high school, has done uh, three half marathons. And her and her friend kind of joking were like, yeah, we should sign up for a triathlon. And then eventually they kept saying, wait, are we being serious about this or are we joking? And they ended up <laughs> signing up for it, trained a few months, uh, and she did tremendous, got a trophy, a medal, very proud of her. And then we had a ginormous brunch after Ooh, the triathlon. So she earned it. Uh, very she got, proud. She got a medal and a trophy? So it was a participation place? medal. Okay. Everyone got like the finishing medal. Nice. Uh, which for a triathlon, I'm all for participation medal because that is some difficult participation. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, if you finish first, second, or third in your age group, so her or her division was females age 20 to 24, and third place. So very proud of her. And she had a That's good excellent. little, a good very, little very uh, cool. uh, celebration watch committee that came out. So she, I would say she was one of the more popular competitors in regards to <laughs> fan attendance. It was impressive. Good turnout. I, I love it. Well, that's great. So uh, big win for her to finish third. That's, that's strong. First one, nice debut. And let's jump into the NBA game two in San Francisco, Golden State, able to, to bounce back and get the win, which we expected. And going into the game, my first thought was, well, Golden State's going to come out and blow out the Celtics. And then I started thinking, I was talking to my brother. I was like, you know what? Can you really Celtics with that great defense and, you know, defensive player of the year? Is that possible? And then he reminded me, Hey, they got blown out against the Miami heat. 
And, and so yep. we know what the Warriors are capable of. And, and so we saw that last night. And I'm going to talk more about the defense for the Warriors in a little bit. But let's, talk, let, let's start with kind of the, what everybody's talking about and, and just sort of uh, the controversy of the night. And I'm convinced that every NBA team needs a Draymond Green type player. Because I think about the Lakers and Ron Artest. I think about the Bulls, Dennis Rodman. I think about the bad boy Detroit, Dennis Rodman and Bill Lambeer and, and Rick Mahorn. And, and every team has you know, the, the tough guy and, and the guy that you know, just roughs up the game a little bit. And that, that's part of the deal. However, I'm also convinced that you have to keep those guys in check. Because if you don't, they can cost you. If the Warriors aren't careful, I think Draymond Green can cost them again because we remember he cost them when he you know messed around with LeBron James and yep. they messed around in that series and the Cavs came back to win despite being down three uh, one just a few years ago. And so you know I'm convinced it's shocking that the refs last night allowed Draymond Green to get away you know with with a lot of the chippiness after he got his first technical. Yes. And so it became clear that they were going to give him some room. They, they, they didn't want to eject him from the game. And even Steve Javi, uh, the ref that represents the, uh, you know, the ESPN crew. TV star uh, now. That's TV guy. Uh, <laughs> given his input, it's like, yeah, no, this, was, this is the right decision. Let Draymond play. You know, he messed around with uh, Jalen Pants. I mean, it was just, you know, but Draymond Green got away with it. And, and so... Yep. The, the question becomes, are you as a fan okay when the refs give this type of leeway when a player gets an early technical? Or do you want to see the same rules in the regulars, in the finals, in the first, first quarter, in the fourth quarter? And, and we can expand this conversation further. You know, this is, we're talking about kind of technical fouls and, and there, there is some gray area in a technical foul, mm-hmm. but then also you know, this plays out into just regular fouls throughout the game, regular season versus the finals, first yep. quarter versus the fourth quarter, the first minute of the fourth quarter versus the final minute of the fourth quarter. Where do you come out as, as a fan, you know, wanting to uh, see consistency with refs or, Hey, keep the best players out there. If Draymond green needs to, uh, you know, stay out there. Don't let it get crazy, but give them a little wiggle room. Are you okay with that mentality? So Luke, I will let you answer this first. <laughs> it's difficult. And it brings me back to where am I have, I'm always having the battle of the purist in me and the realist. And I, I'm probably more of a purist than a realist when it comes to sports fandom. And what I mean by that is, the realist in me understands at the end of the day, the NBA is an is a product, an entertainment product. It's not like high school basketball. It's not like middle school basketball. These guys, the NBA operates as we have a product to sell to the fans. We have to make the owners happy as well. And to do that, we need our best players on the floor. That's why there's a sixth foul in the NBA. You don't foul after five. That's why the NBA playoffs operate differently than the regular season. That's why there's talks on how do we make the season maybe shorter in order to have our players on the court more often so they don't have to take rest games. 
So I understand that, but it uh, the purest in me is, is stronger because what Draymond Green is doing is he has found a loophole <laughs> because he should have been ejected from last night's game. Because it should if have it's just a, been a double technical with him and Jalen. In regards to, he already had one tech. Yeah. And every regular season basketball game, if not many playoff basketball games, he's getting that second tech. For sure in the regular season, it's a scuffle. They always call double tech. Hey, we want to cool down temperatures. We don't want this to get out of hand. And in the playoffs, if Draymond has zero techs, they're giving out a double tech and he's getting his first one. But because he already has a technical foul, you can push the boundary more. Now the onus is on the refs to call that second one. Do you want to be the ref to eject one of the premier NBA talents? You don't want to be that ref. And right. even Javi, Steve Javi said, Van Gundy asked him, are they considering that Draymond has a tech? And Steve Javi said, yes, they are. They're understanding one player already has a tech. Does this warrant a second one? The purist in me says, it's a tech every single time, so just call it. That's Draymond's fault. He should know better, but he's being rewarded for already having a tech, and he's able to push the boundary more and say, you're not going to give me a second one. I can get away with more now. Same thing happened in the Golden State Mavs series, and the same thing's happening now where he can get away with more because the refs are not going to call that second one unless it's just an egregious act. So the purist in me is upset with that. <laughs> so what I what I'm convinced of is this will not be the case. I think they will be more than willing to eject Draymond. The biggest danger for the NBA, you can't have the Warriors go o down o two to start the finals, and and so there's no way that they were going to put that in jeopardy by ejecting Draymond. So I think it goes. It speaks wanting a good series. Then Draymond Green is is some important superstar that you have to have out there so that fans watch. I'm not sure that's so so true. And even in watching the, the post-game interview with SportsCenter, and, and this is what he said, uh, I've earned differential debt. I've earned differential treatment. What? I mean, I think he's a good player. I, I think he's been a key part to this run. There's no question. And his defense and, and his ability to pass the ball, he's a key part. Not taking that away from him. But to put him on some kind of level like the Jordan rules where he gets away with stuff or LeBron and gets away with stuff, come on. I don't, I don't see it like that. I see it more from a series team side of things, and that's why Draymond got away with it in, in, that's in, fair. in this situation so, yesterday in game two. I agree with that. I just don't like that that's the case. Like the rest, stay out of it. Just call the game. Just call the game. Don't oh, – would you? I don't want to know if, if, the, if, if Draymond's going to act a fool and get himself ejected, then yeah. But no, I, for the refs to have to step in and be like, you know what? Draymond's really pushing the boundary, but in order to make the series well, we're not going to eject him. No, don't let, don't reward him for already having a tech and already pushing the boundary. If he's going to do that, the part of being a good player is being able to control your emotions absolutely. to reward someone for being able to push the boundary is crazy to me. If, if they go down 2-0, and again, this is the realist and the purist. The refs probably have some responsibility being able to step in and have some type of control. The That one official who ended up going to jail for some type of betting, I for, I'm forgetting his name. But he's on record saying during officiating meetings, they 
they have some type of plan on we want the game to go this direction because the league office tells them. And I just think that's unfortunate. I, and again, there, I know that's what's going on, and it's about entertainment. But I wish it could just be about basketball. But I don't know if that's possible. I wish it was the case. So I guess – so I, I'm not in disagreement with you. I just – I still go back to, you know, uh, wanting the best possible matchup. And, and Draymond needs to just understand and remember, hey, man, a few years ago you cost your team. So you can't be flirting – with getting ejected and and that to me is selfish of him yeah and hey Draymond you know you know he said something about oh don't have a you know he, I couldn't let Jalen Brown stand on top of me or in front of me Dude, or whatever like come on you gotta, just, you gotta move you gotta move forward and, well, yeah. and get back on defense come on you're gonna foul him and then you're gonna rest your legs on his head and then yeah. you're gonna grab him by the shorts to to get yourself up Come on, what do we do? No, it's, no. and and so then my, my second part to this whole thing is I, I'm getting, so I've been an NBA defender my whole life. I've been an NBA, that was the first sport I fell in love with, so I love the NBA, I love the NBA finals, and I'm not ref guy. I've never been ref guy, so the refs don't detain or a series. It just, I, I try not, to, in any sport for that matter. But people criticize the NBA and early in that game, you know, it was missed layups. It was bad calls. It was, you know, either Very no calls sloppy. or uh, a touch foul call. And so there is inconsistency. And so I am curious how much that affects, you know, all of you that are listening of the finals. And so for me, I can look beyond all of that. And I see what the storyline is with the Golden State Warriors being back in the NBA finals. And I'm so intrigued by that. The injuries to now being here. Kevin Durant leaves. Now they're here. The whole Boston Celtics story is fascinating to me that, that Udoka in his first year could get this team over the hump when Brad Stevens never could. And then Brad Stevens goes into the front office, makes a couple small moves, but really strategic and successful moves. They've, they've worked to, to go bring back Al Horford, to trade for Derek White at the trade deadline. No one was talking about that trade. What was everyone talking about? James Harden for Ben Simmons. Who cares? Those guys are irrelevant. They don't even, they don't even matter anymore. You know who matters is Derek white in, uh, in, oh, yeah. in played all right in game one. All no, my, all, right. uh, all my night. Spurs friends, all my friends who are Spurs fans are really missing Derek white. Yeah. Very, it's a very move. strong impact. Good player small moves. So, so anyway, so I say all that to say the storylines and the players and, and the individual performances, the Jordan Poole performance, the, you know, Jason Tatum bouncing back, the yep. Clay Thompson not playing well. That's interesting to me. When does he get going? It's hot, right? We still, we know he's, yeah. you know, it's still post-injury, but he's already shown since coming back from the injury, he can have a big night. So will that be game three? And they take the lead. Uh, or going back to Boston or going to Boston for the first time in the series how will that affect things? And now Boston takes takes the lead in the yeah. series. The so, series is uh, the series is just awesome. We couldn't yeah. have asked for two better teams to compete, who are both so good on the defensive end, and both have players on offense that can torch you. It's 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 awesome. It's, yeah. You got Steve Kerr versus the the new coach. It, it's 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 a great series. Like I'm not mad that's one to one. I want it to be competitive, but. I want to be competitive because the players are deciding it. Yes. Not because the refs have to step in and have more impact than necessary. So I, I read an article. I didn't catch this during the broadcast, so I can't I don't know hundred percent, but I, I think Steve Javis used the the phrase 
selective enforcement. Did you hear that? Did he say that? Anyway, that's the term that I was, I read an article about, like that's what the refs kind of operate under um, selective enforcement. And so that's really interesting as a fan. Yeah. Do I want selective enforcement of the traveling call? Like think about, you know, people complain about that too, but fouls, travels. Don't even get me started. Don't even get me. It's, but, but it's the same in the, in football too. You know, holding and there, there's so much selective enforcement. And so we never, to your point, we never want the rest to steal the show, make it all about them and their selective enforcement. But it just depends usually our perspective on, is it benefiting our team or not? And is it, it yeah. overly affecting the whole outcome of the game? I, I think so. I mean, this, that's my problem with the NBA. It's, it's unlike any other level of basketball in regards to selective enforcement. The refs have too much impact on the game. The amount of, <clears throat> and again, I'm probably more of a purist than anyone, but every high school official, someone catches the ball on offense, you look at their feet. Do they travel? If they did, turnover. If every, I was even trained this for intramurals. One ref is watching the lane for lane violations on free throws. And you call it every oh, yeah, time. There's a lane that. violation. NBA, no chance. Outside of the one random one every three games, which what's even the point of that? If True. you're not going to call it, then don't call it every three games. Travel. Yep. Like Draymond had an egregious travel. Caught the ball under the basket last night. Traveled. Jumped in the air. Then pump faked and was fouled by Horford. In every level of basketball, that's a travel. But in the NBA, my God, I want... My opinion used to be the, these refs have to just be horrendous and they're not trained well, but I guess it is the selective enforcement and it's not entertaining to call travels, but just refs get out of the way. Just do your job, call basketball like the rules demand and let the players decide the game. It's we're going to be entertained by it because of the greatest basketball players in the world playing, but I, just call basketball like according to the rules. So I probably am more so, upset about this than most people, and I understand that, and I will admit that, but it doesn't change the fact that it, it drives me crazy. It's a great, I'm not going to let it steal our joy from the excitement of this series, and I'm, I'm so intrigued heading into to Game 3. How will the Celtics respond? Uh, but I do think of selective enforcement has some uh, spiritual ramifications as well. So I didn't write today's Unpack This about selective enforcement, but... I may have to, so we'll, we'll see. So I think there's some parallels there when we, we pick and choose sins that, that we think are bad or that we want to follow or don't want to follow and step on all of our toes a little bit when we start thinking about that. So, hmm. uh, But speaking of Unpack This, I, w- I want to go a different direction today, and, and this is our, our segment each week where we take a sports topic related to the Bible, related to our own lives, and, and here at Unpacking, as you can tell, we're passionate about sports but we're even more passionate in understanding you know, what it looks like to really live for him and uh, to challenge one another, encourage one another uh, in this journey as we reach at different stages of the journey. Some are, are still exploring, all right, do I really believe and what does that mean? And for, for some of us, it's, it's been years of, of following and, and growing and maturing and, and God continuing to refine uh, us a little bit at a time. And, and so today, I want to talk about really the theme of this matchup between the Celtics and the Warriors is defense. Both of these teams are known for their defense. It's the top two defenses from the regular season and defense has allowed them to get to this point in the final to be in the finals. And 
what's interesting with the Warriors is normally our, our focus is on the amazing shooting of the Warriors and yep. you know, epic shooting, historic shooting throughout this whole run. You know, it's Steph Curry. It's Clay Thompson, two of the best shooters ever. Now we have Jordan Poole. Uh, stick around for the MetaShare moment of the week. We'll, we'll talk more about him. But, but great shooters. Even Andrew Wiggins is, is a pretty good shooter in this Warriors system. Yep. Uh, even Draymond at times can hit, can hit it. Really our focus. However, this Warriors defense, uh, this Warriors team has gotten really good at defense, and specifically Steph Curry. And he's always kind of gotten a, a bad uh, reputation Eh, for not being a great defender, maybe good at you know getting steals and and that sort of thing. But if you watched him last night, he played good defense, and and he's he's really been intentional uh, about putting effort in on the defensive end. And and so when I think about a team that's good at defense, it comes down really to two things: it's strategy and intentional effort. That's 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 really what defense is. And yes. as someone who I was an okay basketball player, pretty average on the average side for church basketball. Um, but I would play defense, and I would even play defense all the way, all the way in the backcourt. So I was one of the oh, you were a pickup game full court defense yeah. guy. Oh, oh yeah. come on, get out of here! You better bro. believe it. So get out of here from the, from the tip until the end of the game. I don't even care <laughs> if my team is down twenty or we're up twenty. I'm playing D until the buzzer sounds. Oh, but but really, so the story in the series. In game four of uh, in the fourth quarter of game one, the Celtics were awesome at defense. They shut down the Warriors and they were able to pull away and beat the Warriors. In game two, it was the third quarter for the Warriors where they were hitting shots, but it was really defensively they shut down the Celtics. Yep. And and the Celtics were were dead in the water heading into the fourth, and they were down by two miles. So the game was over at that point, but it was defense uh, that that really won both games and so we'll you know we hear the cliche defense wins championships and there is so much truth to that and and so you know when we think about uh, you know what it takes to be a good defense especially in this series you got to stop the pick and roll you got to be able to rotate switch um you can't let your guard down uh when when the pressure you know gets intense especially uh, against the warriors in the finals yeah, that like mikhail bridges has talked about that if you rest for half a second that's 10 feet of separation Steph Curry has for a wide open three because they're constantly running you have to be engaged the entire possession and and you have to yeah remain in you know the right position to stop the other team from attacking the rim so who who's going to guard the basket better is is really what it's going to come down to in this series and and so how does this parallel our own lives well I think it's important for all of us to understand how important a stout defense is when it comes to guarding against sin. And, and so just like Curry improved as a defender over the years, we need to guard better guarding our hearts. And, and so what, is that, what does that look like? Because here's the deal. We know this. There is temptation all around us. There is a, an, an allure for, for sin at every corner. And, and so we're, we're getting uh, attacked. Right, the offense is coming down down the floor, so to speak. Are, are we adjusting? Are, are we you know switching and 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 rotating? Are we guarding the basket? Are we are we stopping the the attacks that that are coming? And and so are we uh, putting in the intentional effort to have a great defense 
to guard our heart, letting our guard down? Are we getting lazy on defense and, and our guards not up against sin and temptation? And, and so, uh, you know, we, we know that there's an enemy looking to attack the basket, to, to attack our heart, to penetrate, right? To penetrate our, and, and to, uh, you know, take over. And, and so what type of defense do we have in our lives? And, and so the book of uh, wisdom, Proverbs says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life in Luke 21, but be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down and depressed with the giddiness of debauchery and the nausea of self-indulgence and the worldly worries of life. And, and, and so yeah, there you go. You can read more. And then in Matthew, it says, uh, uh, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. So it comes from the heart. So we got to guard the heart. That's what it comes down to. We got to have a defense around our heart. And is that, what does that look like? Well, one, we have to know scripture, meditate on scripture so that when the attacks come, we can stand firm. We can stand firm by uh, re- you know, remembering scripture. And, and we also have to understand of, of Satan and understand how he's going to attack. And so t- NBA teams that are good at defense, they watch game film. They, they understand, uh, you know, what the offense is trying to do, and then they combat that. And, and so what was the big adjustment that Golden State made to the great Boston defense from started doing more pick and rolls? And, and so it threw, it threw off the Celtics defense a little bit. But for us, you know, it's important that we make those adjustments in life when, when uh, you know, we're getting attacked and, and we have to adjust. Um, and so we have to guard our heart. So question is, what are we putting in our heart of our heart? We're wondering, man, I, I want to stop this or stop that in life or, ah, this sin, this sin continues to be a struggle of mine. We got to get to the heart of the issue. What's going on in the heart? And are we guarding our heart? So that's my big, uh, my big takeaway today for each of us. It, it, it plays out a little bit differently, uh, but going back to Proverbs, guard determines the course of your life. So where's our heart leading us? And is our heart fully devoted to God, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But but we gotta we gotta love Him with our whole heart and be wholly devoted to Him with our whole heart. Uh, then when temptation comes, we'll be able to to stand firm. Right, that right stance. I think about the defensive stance. You gotta have you gotta have that. Be able to hand, oh okay, they're trying to penetrate. They're trying to get in here. All right, let's stand firm. Rotate, rotate, rotate. And you need your teammates too. And we need accountability. And, and we need people around us to say, whoa, 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 look right. Come on, step back, step back. It's coming to your, coming to your left, coming to your left. Rotate. Those are, those are the, the things that are yelled out on, on defense. And so uh, I hope that's encouraging to you today. And, uh, and, and I know it's, uh, it's a challenge for all of us to, to evaluate and say, uh, all right, Lord, help me guard my heart better. And, and so that wonderful things come out of our heart, right? We're putting good things in, into our lives. We're keeping the negative stuff out the evil out, then, then we're going to respond well um, when, when the attacks do happen. So, all right, Luke, what, what, are, your, uh, what are your thoughts on, on defense? I can imagine you, you don't really care about defense, but hopefully spiritually <laughs> uh, that's not the case. Man, you, you know, I probably wasn't the greatest defender back, uh, in, back so in high weak. school. 
Well, I'll tell you this. Elite charge taker. And that is a key component of defense. I could not guard the ball one-on-one. Like every year, we would have summer break, and then our first practice back, we would begin practice with full court one-on-one. And you had to stay on defense until you got a stop. So, I mean, I stay on defense for an eternity. Full court one-on-one against our point guards, 0% chance I was getting off the floor. Go right by me. So, defense wasn't my forte. Uh, you could you could count me in for a couple rebounds, a charge or two, a couple baskets, a couple assists. So uh, th- that, that was my game. But it is a good topic about guarding our heart. And I think it really pushes against a wildly untrue cultural belief, which is to follow your heart. That could not be further from the truth. You hear that in every movie, every book, and a lot of conversations when people are making decisions. You know what I mean? You just got to follow your heart. Follow your heart. Are you kidding me? Well, what does the Bible say? You and I both and and Christians should have a high view of God's Word. Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is wicked and deceitful, and you should not follow it. And we know that in our own strength and our own desires, we pursue sin. And then God saves us and gives us his, his Holy Spirit. And then it's this battle of submitting to the Spirit or submitting to the flesh. And the flesh is our own heart. So if we follow our own, our own heart, we will be in sin. It will lead to destruction. It will lead to death. But if we submit to the Spirit, and if we submit to pursuing God's heart, then that's where life in, in fulfillment is and faithfulness and obedience so you talking about guarding our heart reminded me of that because it's just an unfortunate cultural belief that even a lot of Christians can find themselves saying on, okay, but what is your, what's your gut feeling? And, or we're like, you got to follow your heart, man. What do you desire? What's your heart? Well, we got to discern, is this a desire of God's heart of holiness? Or is this a desire of my own heart, which is inherently born sinful and desiring sin. So that's what I first think of. I'd love to know your thoughts on that because again, it's, it's, it's in every movie following, following your heart and it's, it, it leads to destruction. No. Well, it's interesting. Cause I, I even said, uh, as I was talking earlier, you know, where is your heart leading you? And, and so, yeah, I guess I have to clarify that cause that's maybe, maybe vague in light of what, what you said, but yeah, I agree that our heart, has to be guarded, which is what we're talking about. And, and then aligned with God's heart and seeking yes. his, his heart and, and wanting to know the the path that he wants us on. And, and so, um, you know, just going back to that verse, I, I mentioned twice, guard your heart above, above all else for it determines the course of your life. And, and so we are following our, our heart, but yeah, if we're following our selfish heart, where's that leading us? And, yep. and so, but, but if, if we're actually, the, the better thing to say is seek God's heart. That's seek, right. Seek the heart of God. And align our hearts with God's heart. So we're That's guarding right. our hearts so that it can be protected from going away from God's heart or towards sin. That's right. So if we, if we have to guard it from sinful influences, guard it from certain things, and actually feed it with God's word, with prayer, with time with God's people and things of holiness— so that it's more aligned with God's heart. Because following mm-hmm. Jesus is, is 
the spirit working on our hearts to be more aligned with God's desires. It's it, the process of sanctification on we start to care more about what God cares about. We start to love more what God loves and guarding our heart is living in such a way, thinking in such a way, watching, listening, doing all things in such a way that leads to further aligning our heart with God's rather than just following it in our own strength. Oh yeah, whatever my heart thinks. Well, no, again, what is is my heart after God's heart right now? Or is it completely self-serving? And we have to discern that instead of like, oh, what's my internal desire? Yeah, follow your heart, man. No, no, do not follow your own heart without discerning, is this a desire of God? Yeah, I guess my only pushback is if you're... If your heart is aligned with God, then you follow your heart. But it's really God's heart that you're following. So, but that's yeah. semantics. That's Con- yeah, semantics. conviction. Yeah, conviction on your heart, a different discussion. But in regards to just follow your own heart and do whatever that, you want. That's do often used good. on just do what you want, man. Just do what you want. Do it. Yeah. It feels good for you. Follow uh, your own heart. And it's going to, I mean, follow your truth. What does that even mean? Uh, so, no, we follow please. the truth of God's word and we align our hearts with God's heart. Um, so it's our heart's worth protecting, or right. it's going to be influenced really significantly by sin. And God's word tells us our hearts are sinful in their own strength. We're born with a sinful heart, and we need to align it with God's heart, or we'll just continue pursuing sin. That's so it's right. part of this, I guess, is semantics on how we're discussing it. Yeah, but, but to think about what we're saying, yeah, instead yeah. of just you know throwing out cliches yeah exactly willy-nilly willy-nilly is that a cliche just feeding off the cliche bank yeah so we gotta be we gotta think think about what that what that actually looks like so um so yeah the encouragement today be on guard what what goes into uh our our hearts and and for that matter our minds as well um and and really yeah protect protect the heart so uh that's the (laughs) parallel for us today as we watch these great defenses in the nba finals and, and last night's scoring was low. I mean, to think about a team scoring under 100 in today's NBA where we see you know, more offense in general, uh, that was Steph Curry stepping it up on the defensive end. So if we haven't been great yeah. at defense and guarding our heart, we can change. We can get better. We can you know, seek the Lord in, in that and, and, and put the right uh, effort in, but the right parameters as well and strategy uh, that, that's needed. Yep. And, and people around you, having those teammates is, is crucial as well. All right, so let's talk about some of the other uh, kind of storylines uh, inside and outside of, of the NBA Finals. Um, I, I know for, for me, the, the NBA coaching situation is fascinating to me because here we are, you know, Steve Kerr's been there forever. On the game, we're, we have to suffer through Mark Jackson uh, and his – his takeaways, but the, the idea that there he was in Golden State, uh, this doesn't work. We need to get somebody else in here. Steve Kerr comes in, and now they've made the finals six out of eight years. And then going yeah. back to what I said with Udoka, you know, Brad Stevens was a really good NBA coach, a great college coach, and was yep. doing a nice job in Boston. And then all of a sudden, it's like, no, he's going to go up, up, up to the front office. And Udoka, a first-year guy, he's going to get the team to the NBA finals. Fascinating. And, and then you, you think about the, uh, the, the kind of off-season moves. So Frank Vogel wins an NBA championship with the Lakers, and then you know a bad year with Russell Westbrook, he's out. So see ya, thanks, Frank. 
So where does Frank Vogel end up? And then you have a coach like Mike D'Antoni, who has been around the NBA a long time. He keeps getting more opportunities into the NBA championship. He's been to the Western Finals. Eh, maybe Phoenix got there, but never, never got through. Yet Mike D'Antoni is interviewing with Michael Jordan and my Charlotte Hornets for an opportunity to coach again. Are you kidding me? I mean, what is, what is the deal with that? So I, I, I do not want him. Um, but then the Lakers, they go out of the blue, grab a guy named Darvin Ham off the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Bucks assistant coach off their bench, Mike Budenholzer's bench. And, and so I guess I'm just fascinated by the whole thing because I don't think there's any right. There is no formula to finding the right coach in the NBA. And oftentimes it really comes down to a new voice because look at the Utah Jazz. Great consistency, but they haven't been able to break through. And so Quinn Snyder, he steps down. Did the Jazz want him? Uh, it seemed like it. They were going to give him a big contract. Uh, that was what the, the, the news was. Yep. And then now he steps down. So now does he go to another team? Does he come to the Hornets? And all of a sudden a new voice in Charlotte, that works yeah. out great. So I, I don't know if you keep up with the coaching carousel or are you intrigued yeah. as, as much as I am by it. Well, I don't think anyone beats you in regards to coaching carousel fandom or uh, keeping up with coaches. But I do love it. I mean, it's it's a huge part of sports. I mean, it really, professional coaching is so interesting because, and again, it just pro sports are just so different than amateur sports. And, I mean, not to state the obvious, but in like high school and college, coaches are a clear authority figure. Even like Coach K at Duke, he is so clearly an authority like you're gonna do what I say, and in the NBA, the NBA players are making more than the coaches. Like there is an authority, but it's 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 kind of some gray area on what that authority is. It's a grown man coaching grown men, and that's difficult. So it really comes down to fit. And then I, I mean, I always think of this like, how do you coach a guy like LeBron? Like maybe you have to bring in a guy like Ham. You can't like how would LeBron get along with if if Popovich was his coach that that would be an authority struggle there because LeBron's behind the scenes putting teams together to some extent he's an incredible basketball mind everyone talks about the best like LeBron sees the game better than any player they've ever played with he's a genius so how do you how do you coach a guy like that in practice or in games we saw we, we saw the coach at Michigan go to Cleveland Massive failure. Beeline. Uh, beeline. Because it's hard. It, it, it's, it's not that, a, that clear authority structure. And so that's what I'm fascinated about on how do you coach pros? It's got to be, especially if you're used to the college level. It, but if you start out as an assistant in the NBA, you know the game, you know how it works. But for a guy like Brad Stevens to come to the NBA, that's a big jump. For him to have tremendous success is awesome. It shows, his flex- it shows his flexibility. Billy Donovan, get Florida Gators, great too. Back to back national championships. So it, it's just that fascinates me because it's that authority structure is not clear enough, but, and I think that but, would be difficult. Uh, but that's uh, that's not a good thing. That's a that's a breakdown of authority, and and I think if we if we expand this throughout life is just a, a big issue in today's culture and then a lack of respect for leaders and authority. And, and so, you know, this, this idea that players can't 
listen to coaches. That's a, that's such a, a bad setup. And and the idea that, that Kyrie Irving, and don't get me started on him again, but, you know, they didn't, oh, well, Steve Nash, is he our coach? Well, you know, we don't really need a coach. And, yeah, you do. Somebody's got to be in charge. And somebody's got to be on the outside looking in to figure out how all five pieces you know, play yeah. together and how to use the bench and when to bring guys in and to understand the stats. And there's a lot that goes into coaching. But he has fans can downplay NBA coaches because we'll hear the 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 half or the timeout, like the audio the audio we were what do they call it? The, oh, the, the in game audio. All they in-game. tell them yeah. The only thing they tell them is hey, we gotta be called. aggressive. We gotta hit the boards. Come on, guys, we gotta play harder out there. Come yeah. on. Thanks, on, John, to this. take your line. Like, what are we doing? Do you think they really need to hear that? we got to play harder out there. So it it's so just, much more than that. Oh, it's, it's just, yeah, it's fascinating. But sometimes you do need to hear a new voice. I mean, Jason Kidd was the new voice that Dallas needed. Carlisle and Luca for sure didn't get along. Carlisle saw the writing on the wall. He's like, i got to get out of here. This franchise has run terribly. And they got a kid came in. Him and Luca are off to a great start. I... But again, I just get back to what is the NBA coach's role? I was such a Spolstra hater mm-hmm. in 2012, 2011 to 20, however long the Heatles were. I, I mean, I told everyone, any coach can win there. I don't care what coach is coaching Miami. They will win. Eric, what is Eric Spolstra doing? Since then, Spolstra has proven to be a tremendous coach. Yeah. But when you had Wade, Bosch, and LeBron – at that point, it was just, how can we put together a super team? We don't care what coach is here. Yeah. So Spolster has proven me otherwise. But I remember thinking, there's no way he has any significant impact here because you already have the great players on one team. <laughs> no, I mean, in the NBA, there is something to be said about that. But there have been uh, that can't win because they don't have the right coach. And I think in, in Brooklyn, they got a lot of problems. But I'm not sure that Steve Nash has the respect. He doesn't have the respect of those guys. And, and so you have to have a coach that's going to have the, the respect of the team. And, and so I, I think Frank Vogel did a great job in L.A. Everyone downplays that bubble championship. To me, that was hard to win. To, to win at any it was impressive. Just surviving the Rona is a big deal, let alone going to win a championship in those yeah. weird circumstances. Um, so that, anyway, that, he, gets, he gets Vogel was just of credit for that. Yeah, Vogel was, I had to blame someone. And obviously they're not going to blame LeBron. Because he's your can't blame LeBron for bringing in his boy Rob. Oh, it's unfortunate. Terrible. How about Juwan Howard saying no to the Lakers? He's staying in Michigan. That was the I like that a lot. I like he's got he's. I'm glad that he's passionate about proving something at Michigan. I I I love seeing guys love their alma maters too. I think that's really cool. I I like that too. That's a that's a bet. And he can be there for 20 years because as we've seen, guys do not stay long in the NBA unless you're Popovich. Spolster's now been there for a while. Yeah. Other than that, who's who's been there? Who's been at their their Quinn Snyder's now now leaving? So very rarely do guys I'm trying to think of anybody else. How long has Budenholzer been in Milwaukee? Not that long. He was in Atlanta. Yeah. He was in Atlanta, coach of the year there. Right? I think they were number one in the East just a few years they ago. Had some good Al teams. Just couldn't win in the yeah. playoffs. Gosh, Joe Johnson, Al Horford. That's right. Man. Horford, man, he's still getting it done. He's he's impressive. All right. So um Let's do our, our MediShare moment of the week here from Luke, and we're going we're gonna to step away from sports for a moment, and we're going to do our life quandary of the week. And, and so if you listen to our podcast, hopefully you, you know and love that 
Luke and I are both on the same page that we evaluate life. There we go. And we notice things that maybe the common person doesn't notice, but maybe you do. Maybe as a listener, you do notice it too. And we're bringing some of these things to light. And so today, Luke is going to uh, question and call out a uh, certain group of people today. So <laughs> in a loving, don't worry, don't worry. Um, so we'll have some fun with that. All right, so our, our MetaShare moment of the week. Last night, the, the Golden State Warriors were rolling in that, in that third quarter. And, and, you know, Steph Curry has the ability to really get the crowd into it. And, but Jordan Poole has really emerged as a special player for the Warriors. And he's like even better than the Leandro Barbosa, Sean Livingston. He's almost like both of those guys combined. He's elite. What his role is on this team. The Warriors needed both of those guys uh, were on to win championships. But here's what happened with six seconds left in the third quarter. For those watching online, you can watch it and everybody else, you can listen. Here we go. The MetaShare moment of the week. Golden State has a lot of time. Pool with the ball. Launches. Oh! Money! Three. Just My favorite part is, is watching Steph's face. It's just begun. Curry's reaction Flat in this out, next clip get it done. is amazing. Recognizing the clock dwindling down. Knocks down the long ball. Good old-fashioned game of oh. pool. <laughs> Love it. This presentation of the NBA Finals continues. What a moment. And uh, it was just, to me, normally in those kind of uh, buzzer beater type shots, you're, you're sort of running forward and just kind of launching it. That was a step back. That was a step back, deep, deep three. And that, yeah. that to me is what made that play rare. But then the timing of it, that pretty much sealed the game. That, that, that oh, ended yeah. the uh, kind of the dagger they were the already dagger. on a huge run and for that to be to cap the run that was incredible and, and to your point yeah, though about jordan cool. pool to be able to bring a guy like you already have stefan clay and then you get to also bring a guy like jordan pool to be almost like a sixth man role to control the offense i mean i mean that that's just incredible I, opposing defenses have to be like are you kidding me <laughs> Like another another guy that can go just go in fuego and not miss at all. It's it's remarkable. He's has he has he had more points than Clay. He might. Yeah, Clay Clay's been off. Clay's been struggling. So so Poole stepped up a little bit. Um, of course, Steph's Steph's leading the way. So uh, impressive uh, impressive win for the Warriors and the fun continues. Uh, what Wednesday night tomorrow night or yeah Wednesday night. Today's Monday. Wednesday night. There it is. Yep. Today's today's uh today's Monday. Is it normally two days in between games? That's throwing me off. Because the they also play Friday. Here. Usually it's like Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. I remember that always being the case. But hmm. yeah, it, it got it got off this year. All right. So uh thanks to MetaShare for being our presenting sponsor. Check out metashare.com slash unpacking it and figure out if they're the right fit for you. Make changes to your healthcare um and, and doing a video. Uh, explaining what MetaShare offers. And, and so look for that video. It's coming out soon uh, where we answer some of the questions that, that you've had. I've, I've talked to different people asking me about MetaShare. And, and so, hey, do you really use it? Yeah, I really use it. This is one of my family. We, we've been members for, um, now that I've been saying, over five for a while. I think we've, we've probably hit the six-year mark at this point. <laughs> 
So uh, yeah, we've we've used it, and and now we've got two daughters that are part of the MetaShare family as well. So that's uh, so it's pretty cool. MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. All right, Luke. Everyone's waiting. Everybody's everybody's tuning in right now <laughs> to hear the, uh, the this week's life quandary. So so take it away. Well, so I'm trying to we we we've talked about multiple. So I'll, I'll let you set it up because I'm, I'm I'm I don't know which one to go with because now, like you said, we pay attention to so many. Our whole lives are just life quandary after another. So in many ways, when we go out to to dinner or you know we go mm. to a store, we interact with the cashier, the waitress, and that dynamic is always fascinating in many different ways. And so there are a lot of different observations that we could go with, but I, I will let you leadership uh, route. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but after this conversation, hopefully all of you listeners will recall all of the times this has been the case, or maybe if you have made the unfortunate mistake of doing this as one who has possibly worked as a waiter or an employee of a store. And it's just claiming ownership of things that are not yours. <laughs> it drives me insane. It comes across <laughs> as cocky or like, who who are you? I, I know you're just an employee here. This is not yours. So I'll give two examples. So Madeline and I, go out to get pizza this past week. Mm. We're looking at the menu. There's a lot of fancy, really good pizzas, really good pizza place uh, in Fort Worth. And we're looking, we see this one pizza. Hey, you know, what do you think about this pizza? Would you recommend this pizza? And the waiter goes, you know, I just sold my last one. Just <laughs> sold my last one of those. And I'm like, mm, you know, his last one, is he the store owner? Is mm. this guy the the owner of this establishment, how cool that he's serving us. Asked him again, you know, what about this one? You know, sorry, yeah, no, that's one of uh, my favorites. Uh, I love selling those, you know, but I just ran out of my last one. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. I didn't get out of pizza, but that's a separate topic. Like, I'm like, yeah, it, yeah, that's another uh, interesting thing. But Run out. I, the phrase, I ran out of my last one. I just sold my last one. Another example, this one was outrageous. Madeline and I were, uh, this is back when we were engaged, we're starting to look for furniture um, to furnish our future apartment and go to a couch place, Haverty's, good place. And we walk in, greeted by one of the employees, said, hey, you know, we're looking for possibly a sectional couch. Uh, we love sectionals. Um, and he said, you know what? All my sectionals over here, if you're looking for these type of chairs, all my chairs are over here of this side. And if you want, if you don't want a sectional couch, all my non-sectional couches are over here. So if you want any of these, my sectional couch is over here. I'm thinking, uh. yours? Yours. <laughs> these are not yours. You are a, a paid employee of Haverty's. You definitely don't own Haverty's. They're not uh. yours. But p those examples, employees that talk about it like it's theirs. It's not cool. Like, I think like they're trying to take ownership of, oh, yeah, this is my job. I'm taking it seriously. You know, all my couches over here. Sorry, I just, just sold my last pizza. Come on, man. They're not yours. Say our. You got to speak in our. It's group ownership. Mm. Our couches are over here. Or the couches are over here. That's fair. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm overreacting, but I can't stand when that happens. <laughs> so I, I I don't necessarily understand the outrage, but I appreciate the observation. And 
when you told me earlier, I, I was going to go the opposite direction, and I thought you might be able to convince me, but I'm going to stay on the other end because I think that they've taken ownership of their job. They take their job really seriously, and they feel like it's theirs. That means they're all in. Those are the kind of people you want working for you. And so if somebody is the owner, that's the kind of waitress you want. That's the kind of no. oh, my pizza over here. Oh, let me let me see what let me see what I can do. I always love that too. Let me see what I can do. Uh, <laughs> if they have the power to do something. Uh, but let me go. Let me go check on that. Let me see what I can do. Um, but no, I I, I like that. I, I think that person is working hard. It may be a tad annoying for you and I as the customer, but I think that mentality part behind it is a positive thing for the actual business and the owner. The heart behind it, yes, but gosh, it's so cringeworthy. And I'm gonna start. I'm I'm gonna start just like you know what? I'm not gonna have take my business here tonight. Your so pizza. You go home, I'll go find a pizza somewhere else. I know Papa John's isn't out of there. <laughs> I don't sleep on PJs. Big uh, Domino's guy though. But I like. I probably yeah. I'm especially going back the couch. The, the couch guy though. Like you know, all my couches. All these are my favorite couch. Yeah, all my favorite couches are over here. Or yeah, all my sectionals. If you want to find my sectionals, they're over here. Dude, we all know. Like, dude, stop playing the game. We all know they're not yours. You can you can work hard. Just say our, our sectionals, the ones we sell here. They are not yours. It's so fair. I, I, the, I don't know. I, I, can't get, I can't get past it. It's, it's uncomfortable to me. It's, it's so uncomfortable to me. Next time, you just need to ask, oh, do you own it? I, I should. Oh, I really should. Oh, how long oh, do you own this place for? Yeah, oh, that's cool. Do it. Do it. Yeah. How long did it take you to back. make those sectionals? Man. I, I yeah. want to hear back on that. So, <laughs> all right, it's a good take. Let us know your thoughts. Where do you come out on this? Uh, I guess Luke and I do disagree uh, slightly. I, I can get in on the hour, though. I, I have a, a fair answer to the issue. Uh, yeah. But let us know. Bryce at unpackingit.com. You can also email Luke and, and – uh, Give him a hard time. Luke at unpackingit.com as well. I'm about to get some um, slander in my inbox now. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. All right, let's do uh, – fortunately, we had technical difficulties today, and Henry had to leave early, so our recording got bumped um, just slightly, and yeah, a number of things happened today. But we're, here we are. We're still rolling. Uh, so we're going to do tap drill with just the two of us. Uh, but we do have two interns that, that are helping – uh, per topics, and so uh, they're doing a great job uh, as well, Landon and CJ. Uh, but here's a couple topics we'll just throw out there for you and I, Luke. Um, so apparently the the Madden cover is, is out, and, and so we always wonder, all right, who's going to get the Madden Madden hmm. years? They get they get on great honor, and then they get injured. Um, but John Madden, in honor of the the late great John Madden, he is on the cover, uh, which is cool. So uh, I'm excited about that. But the question is, do you still play Madden? And what time in your life did you play Madden the most? So I, I was never a huge video game connoisseur. As in, I'm by myself at home. Let me fire up the PlayStation and put in some serious hours on a game console. I mean, I love playing video games with friends, still do, it's fun, but that's not something, not something I like to do in my own free time as like a hobby. Mm. Let me fire up Call of Duty or let me play online 2K or Madden. I don't know, that's never been something 
I've loved. I think Madeline. That's a thing? I think Madeline. Oh. Yeah, I think Madeline appreciates that. Uh, that I don't just get lost in the world of video games for hours. Although I do get lost in the world of sports watching for hours, so maybe it's not not better. But uh, I love Madden. I man, I grew up playing. That, that was like the thing. Go over to a friend's house and play hours of Madden, or do a fantasy draft. Create your own team. Oh yeah. Yeah. So for me, it, I enjoyed the off season more than actually playing the game. So I enjoyed putting together rosters. And, and so this was before I played fantasy football. And so now I play fantasy football, so I don't need to play Madden. You're like, you were like I the diehard. You're, you've just always been the diehard sports nerd. Like I would rather put together, you would rather put together rosters on Madden than actually play the game. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I'm just try- I'm trying. I'm trying to go Live. get. I always played NBA Live, doing the same thing. Like I'm just trying to force feed Adrian Peterson, get 350 yards in a Madden game, and you're uh, tinkering with with what kind of trade rosters. can I pull off? Yeah. <laughs> what will the computer allow? Will they allow? Will they allow this trade? Can I? Can I go get this quarterback for this offensive lineman? Will they do it? Oh, I remember the funniest you get the thing. You got to rework it. You got to make make sure the salary caps line up. We it's were. Great. Uh, the funniest thing, I was doing a fantasy draft with my uh, buddy growing up. We're probably sixth grade. And with the first overall pick, we drafted Brian Erlacher. And it, w- it was a great pick for us, but it was hilarious. My buddy didn't know how to pronounce his last name. So he goes, dude, we just got Brian Eulicher. Yes, we got Brian Eulicher. Like, <laughs> legend. Who is Brian Eulicher? Oh, we just got goodness. Erlacher. So I thought that was one of the most egregious mispronunciations yeah. of an athlete's name I've ever heard, and it's hilarious to this day. Eulicher. <laughs> he was well-known. I know. I mean, so that means he wasn't watching much football. That's, that's bad. My, uh, my next question here for a uh, little tap drill. Uh, did you watch the match between Brady and Rodgers and Mahomes and Allen? What was your consumption of that? I watched a grand total of zero seconds. Oh, you missed out. It was fun. It was I cool. watched the highlights, but I we've talked about it before. I can't do with the cringe interviews anymore. Now we don't even have any pro golfers. So I don't want to be anti-match guy, but if it's on, I would have watched. But I was like, you know what? I'm out and it about. On. I, don't oh. need, I don't need to, to stay home for this. I'll get the highlights. It's fine. Mm. I will say, though, Jim Nance said something. I was watching the memorial, and it was one of his lowest moments as a broadcaster. I was just texting a buddy on, is Jim Nance getting a little old? We're hearing some things on the telecast, but um, Aaron Wise had a putt on one of the last holes, and (laughs) Jim Nance goes, let's see if he can make this like Aaron Rodgers made his match-winning putt uh, at Capital One's the match. Although Aaron Wise doesn't have this for a win, and it's not for birdie, but let's see if he can make it. I was like, Ooh. oh, man, are you kidding me? What a, what a brutal comparison. A little so, bit of stretch, but don't, it can't rip on Uncle Jimmy. So I'm Jimmy. a, I'm a Jim, Jim Nance defender. So um, <laughs> Outside of wedding toasts, then you're not a defender. Well, no, we both, we both gave a wedding toast at the same wedding. So I'm not going to say which one was better. I think, I think we all know. I think we all know. Um, so yeah, no, he's always he's always. Did you watch the game. match? I did. I enjoyed it. I didn't. I had it on my second TV, so I, I wasn't listening to everything. Oh, but I kept it was an demoted. Eye on it. it was demoted. It was demoted. It was on the. It was on the side. What was on the but, first TV? Um, I can't remember. 
I will have you know, I, I, I will have you know, watching Downton Abbey is going well. So thanks for asking. We're on I'm season not two, asking, and that's unacceptable behavior. <laughs> We're on season two, suspended. and it's tremendous still. So I thought I thought you'd like to that. know that. I know you've been dying to hear. <laughs> no, I, I, it's upsetting to even think about. Um, what was I watching instead of it? Yeah, I can't remember. What night was that? But um, anyway, so uh, all right. The last thing: um, <laughs> Did you happen to see Bill Simmons on at, at courtside last night at the Warriors game? I just found it interesting. So maybe he's maybe he's on maybe he's courtside more often than I than I realize. But of course he's a Celtics fan. Yeah. But instead of being in Boston, he's in San Francisco, which he, I know he lives on the West Coast. But to think Bill Simmons used to be on during halftime on ESPN, which hmm. they desperately miss him. I mean, I love no, Wilbon, yeah. Stephen A. Smith in small doses. I'm not a huge Jalen Rose fan, but that that halftime is is questionable at best, especially when we come off. I mean, it's just such a you jump off the cliff from TNT's oh. coverage. But anyway, I, Bill Simmons was great yeah. when he was at ESPN. I always enjoyed that crew uh, but now he's like mr mogul you know spotify and the ringer and uh he really sitting, is he's sitting front row in the nba finals i mean just think about her and now he's that's where he is so i just find that fascinating that, that's more of an observation than anything yeah someone who is paid someone who writes about the game is now sitting courtside because he's made so much writing about the game that now he's watching as a well, fan. doesn't even make sense. Not they're covering it. I mean, technically he'll he'll talk about it in his podcast, but but yeah, he's he's chilling in good seats, kind of behind the basket. Like, so it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. Sir, please tell us about the game that we're also watching with you. And well, you'll make so much money, you'll just start sitting courtside at games. And keep in mind the games we're also watching, and we could still have intellectual takeaways from. That's that's interesting. I, I must have missed it. He's not typically the guy, the celebrity you see. I feel like Lil Wayne has been getting way too much camera time at at games courtside. Mm. He's at every Suns game. Like, do we random. really need? Really, really need? Is that what we're really promoting here? Like, oh, like check out this NBA product. Lil Wayne is courtside. Let's show him <laughs> ten times during this Mavs Suns game. I don't know. Let's stick to the the basketball. You got you got Landon in the studio laughing. He thinks that's hilarious. <laughs> so. I saw the, the Sacramento Kings. I don't know if it was the Warriors or the Celtics, but that was interesting too. Like that was that. The, well, I a, saw the owner of another team at a playoff game. Cade Cunningham was in like the fifth row at a playoff game, which seems interesting. That's like a diehard basketball fan. Got to be at the Eesh. game in street clothes. Eesh. But how about last night? Jalen, as a freshman or sophomore in college, was at the Warriors finals game as a, you know, a, college player yeah that was cool that was cool talking really about cool. You know, one day i'm gonna be here yeah sure enough he is that was cool that was a great story actually did you you caught that i did they were talking yes. about that was like that was that. during Jason. his draft process almost he he was going to be drafted that next draft that was cool yeah that was cool and then yeah that was a that was a good tidbit during the game last night um so last thing uh nadal he won his 14th french open 14 so and 0 in finals we don't talk much tennis, but man, that's unbelievable. It's almost as impressive as me coming out of retirement to play ping pong last night. I played a little <laughs> ping pong over at the, uh, the Shake Shack. I was swinging it again, baby. They have tables at Shake Shack? I know. It was shocking. It was fun. Were you just like taking strangers' money there? What was going on? Yeah. I mean, these 12 year old boys you know, came <laughs> in. They were, you know, it's just whack, whack, 
Whack. Yeah, so it was great. Well, no, I, I, I didn't play. My I, big I only, concern. I, I only hit it back. I was only uh, volleying. I was doing a little Oh, well, where's the I'm competitive spirit? I know. I've lost it. It's gone. So well, good for Nadal. He's still got it. He's still My concern it. is you had to come out of retirement to play ping pong. I feel like that's a sport you never retire from. You're always in you're you're always in the prime of your career for ping pong. Maybe. It's still I'm a little sore today. A little sore from the volley. Sore. <laughs> it's fun. It's a nice it's actually a nice little game if you're just kind of talking and, and a nice little game. You sound like yeah. some uh yeah. some like polo player. He doesn't have time for these common man sports. It's a nice little game. I stick <laughs> with my my horse and polo though. But that's a nice game. Now, come on. <laughs> oh man. We're some I, love for table tennis. I will say, though, if you have not seen Olympic table tennis, you're missing out. It's, but to me, you can't even see it. It's so fast. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we missed that. We didn't hear about your uh, golf tournament adventure, so we'll have to save that for another day. Uh, I forgot about that. Sorry about that. So uh, we'll, we'll use that as a tease. Luke was at a golf tournament. That is a tease. Had some good stories, so we'll Tune save in that next for a week rainy for day. a a very passionate life quandary of mine. <laughs> That's right. Be sure to tune in next week because <laughs> if you thought I was on my soapbox about NBA officials or about Uh-oh. guys saying my pizza, another you another have, level. You have not heard this life quandary of mine. Well, thanks to, uh, again. Encourage you to check out fatherhoodfestival.com. Uh, excited to be a part of that event, June seventeenth through the eighteenth. Uh, also, thanks to our presenting sponsor, MetaShare. I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved. That is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. For Luke, Henry, Landon, and CJ, have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast presented by MetaShare. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.